0: You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Hey guys, Aaron Roverman here just to tell you about our sponsor, Harry Tarantula. Harry Tarantula is Our original sponsor, they're the OG sponsor. They were here in the very beginning when we were just a fledgling comic book show done out of some guy's bedroom. But they have some amazing product for you. Just go down to their store at 3456 Young Street and you can get your role-playing games. You can get your comic books, of course. You can get your tabletop games. They have everything. We got Pokemon cards, we've got Star Wars, miniatures. They just have everything that you could possibly want. Plus, Leon, their owner, is an amazing dude. he uh, He's very honest and uh, he'll get you everything you need. And uh, they have an amazing new space there at 3456 Young Street. So you got to go down. You got to check out their merchandise. Sometimes they have weekly live role-playing games, some Magic the Gathering stuff. They're doing championships all the time. You've probably seen a lot of their stuff on our social media because we try to promote them any way we can because without them we wouldn't be able to put this podcast together for you so please if you're local to toronto and even if you're not look them up at www.harryt.com and uh, check them out at 3456 young street and tell them aaron sent you Listening to Speech Bubble, the podcast that goes one on one with Toronto's comic book luminaries. Here's your host, Aaron Broverman. Godspeed, old chum. Hey, fan people, welcome to another episode of Speech Bubble. I am your host, Aaron Broverman. We are live. Do you like my Bruce Buffer impression? If you're a UFC fan. Thank you guys. We are live here at the Harry Tarantula at 3456 Young Street. It is their Halloween party because we're here on Halloween weekend 2018 in beautiful Toronto, Ontario, Canada. We are here at like Young Street. It's the longest street in the world, and it's a new location for Harry Tarantula. If you're a longtime listener of my podcast, you know that Harry Tarantula is our main sponsor. But if you're new to the podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast needs met. My podcast, basically, I go one on one. With Toronto's comic book luminaries. My name is Aaron Broverman. It means I interview everyone who does comics in Toronto, any shop owners. Leon, the owner of this shop, uh, Harry Trangula, has been on the show before, so check that out in the archives. Um, also, we've interviewed artists like Chip Zadarsky, who just got off a run on Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man. We've interviewed Ryan North, who does The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. We've interviewed Chester Brown, who's one of Canada's foremost independent artists. But today, we have the Chalk Chick in the house. <laughs> Joe Lalonde is the Chalk Chick. She's known around Toronto for doing... Uh, Great superhero illustrations from Batman, the Hulk, Spider-Man, the Joker, just rendered in chalk on the street, live, wherever you happen to be walking in downtown Toronto. She's worked for corporate clients like Nike, she's worked for PlayStation, you might have seen her or she's worked for Sony, Activision. No. You bu- you, oh,
1: Activision! It was the oh, Activision. <laughs> I'm sorry,
0: Activision. She's worked for Activision. You might have seen her Overwatch piece uh, during Fan Expo. She did a, she did an inter- she did a live mural uh, during Fan Expo. Uh, her art's fantastic. You can go visit and see what she does at thechalkchick.com. Well, welcome, Joe. Thank you so much for coming.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. Is this
0: your first live interview on a podcast? It
1: is actually. so thank you. Well, thank
0: you so much for actually doing this. I know it's a it's a big thing, you know, to put yourself out there and stuff. So I guess the way we usually start the podcast is, I, I like to get to know my guests. Before I get into their work, before I delve deep into what they do, I kind of want to know their background. so, Uh, where were you born?
1: Well, I'm from Montreal, and I was raised, um, in in that area, and I moved to uh, Ontario when I was about, like, 14, 15. And I lived in, like, uh, around Belleville area, um, like, until about, like, my early 20s, and then I moved to Toronto.
0: Nice. What was your growing up life like? How was your childhood? What kind of stuff were you into?
1: Um, I don't know. I was just a weird kid. I was into, like, cartoons, and, um... Uh, I read a lot of Archie comics because, like, we ended up finding this old box of vintage 60s Archie's comics when I moved into a place when I was, like, really, really young, about, like, three or four. And so I grew up reading those. Oh. um, Like, just the old school 60s ones. And I always loved that.
0: That's really awesome. Um, how did you initially get into art? Were did you have some influences back in your childhood and that sort of thing?
1: Um, I just started drawing when I was old enough not to eat the crayons. I <laughs> always really liked it and kept doing it, and uh, that was that was about it. Like
0: that's awesome. Did you collect comics at all as a kid?
1: Um I didn't really like collect anything cuz I didn't really grow up with a lot of resources. Oh, okay. But I really did value like the what I did have and anytime I could get books uh, in my little like hands, I would read it regardless of what kind of book it was.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. That's cool. So so when you started drawing initially what was your first medium? Did you just did you just draw whatever came to mind? Did you draw on paper? I drew
1: a lot of really surreal stuff when I was younger and then I kind of when I got more training, I went more into like portraiture and stuff like that. But when I was a kid, I just would like I just was kind of wild with my imagination and just loved to put anything down on paper or uh, pencil, crayon, or paint, or anything.
0: Right. Did you go to school for art at all?
1: Um, well, when I was in high school, I did. Um, I I got an exception to do the IB baccalaureate in uh, art program. So nice. I did. Uh, I did that, which gave me a really good foundation. So I didn't do post secondary after that but like I I did train with an oil painter for like I did lessons for a couple years, I did a tattoo apprenticeship and eventually I did a chalk artist apprenticeship. Wow, that's awesome.
0: So I'm very familiar with international bachelor laureate actually because in my high school I, I grew up in South Surrey, White Rock. And I went to a high school called Semiamu Secondary, and they had the International Baccalaureate program. I don't think they had it for art, though. They had it for, like, science and math and that sort of thing. And it was sort of billed as sort of advanced placement if you wanted to get into, like, university that you'd you'd kind of automatically get into university if you took international baccalaureate. I don't think that was exactly true, but that's kind of how the teachers sold it to the people that got into the program. That's,
1: that's how it was sold to me, because they realized it would be a lot easier to get me into an art school if I had that like, paper. Right, yeah. So they, that's why they um, fought for me to get into it, and they were pretty mad when they found out I wanted to go more like the trades artist route yeah, and not yeah. uh, go to post-secondary.
0: But Nice, nice. So, how did? Tell me more about sort of your your journey after high school. Did you know that you wanted to be an artist like right away?
1: Um, I knew I wanted to be. I didn't know exactly how to do that. I started getting to know uh, tattoo artists. And a lot of them um, went to like secondary and ended up going straight into something more practical, or they ended up dropping out and, and or other things. Um, so I ended up realizing that it might be smarter to go into something more practical if I wanted to make it, because art school is expensive.
0: Right, and it's tough to apprentice uh, under a tattoo artist, right? Like they kind of put you through your paces. Did you did you ever try it?
1: I did. I did. Um, I did an apprenticeship. Um, it didn't end up working out. I don't want to get too into yeah. it because um, it's more personal right. uh, stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, like, um, it is an, a very aggressive world. There's a lot of people in it, um, but there's a lot of incredible artists in it as well. So Right.
0: So describe to me this sort of tradesperson art world as opposed to, like, the sort of art school art world. What's the difference between being a tradesperson artist and going that route versus being a more, like, classically trained so well, to speak, artist. There's
1: more of a focus on being able to make a, an income and being able to work more directly with people in their everyday lives, right. rather than like uh, you know just doing art for your fine arts sake. Right. Um, it, but like, yeah, like that's just kind of the difference mainly. It's not like one is better than the other. They're just two different approaches to getting into to that world.
0: Right. That's really awesome. What about like so? If you're gonna do that, how did you get from tattooing and wanting to be a parades artist to getting into chalk.
1: So when I was younger, I saw a, um, an artist do chalk art and it always got in my head and I was about to take like a dead-end job so, a friend and I decided to like hitchhike into Toronto, try doing chalk art and see how it was. And I ended up going back and taking the dead end job that Monday. Oh, really? <laughs> and staying there for a year. But um, it all it kind of bit me. And even though I was going through the tattoo stuff, um I found that like the week when I went on the weekends and did chalk art in Peterborough, because at that point I was out in Peterborough. Uh, or if I ended up you know going to Toronto that like to go give it a shot for a weekend, I enjoyed that a lot more because I got to see kids, I got to see people of all ages and just kind of like I really liked that more general community field. So I ended up uh, when I you know the tattoo didn't work out for me. it, came, it was natural that I just ended up doing that instead.
0: That's awesome. So when you're describe to me those early days of, of trying to do chalk art, <laughs> not really knowing what you're doing, but just wanting to do it, did you just sort of find a blank s- skywalk and start drawing?
1: Yeah, that's exactly uh, what I did.
0: It's like guerrilla style.
1: Um, and yeah, it was. Uh, there was a lot of weirdness and a lot of like fun stuff from that time. Because ignorance is bliss sometimes, too. You end up right. doing things I wouldn't do today. Like
0: what? What kind of mistakes did you make? You know, just
1: setting up in weird areas or, like, you know, things like that. Um, but, you know, you end up meeting people from doing that, too. And it's, you, you know, it's just, uh, I was in Peterborough where there was a lot less people and right. things like that, too.
0: So what kind of reactions did you get in those early days?
1: I got a lot of really positive reactions. Well, cool. Um... There was one guy who did, like, orange and green doors on the street who didn't like me. <laughs> oh. But uh, everyone else liked me. Um, but, yeah, so it was really, really positive, and I just kept uh, doing it because of their positive encouragement.
0: Did the city take notice of you? Like, did you ever run afoul of, like, the bylaw enforcement people?
1: In Peterborough, no. Oh, okay. in, in Toronto, I wasn't, a, like, a, like I ended up getting a license pretty early around. Right. A second I took it seriously. Right. Um, I went and I got a license and I started, you know, doing it.
0: (laughs) Cool. And then you said you apprenticed under someone for chalk art. How do you even find somebody who does chalk art to apprentice under, right?
1: I happened to meet him on my first little Galavan adventure to Toronto. Uh, I met him then and I kept seeing him around and eventually I just reached out to him. He knew that I kept doing it for a few years at that point and that I was serious. So he at that point agreed to take me on as an apprentice.
0: That's awesome. And this guy, I heard you telling me off air that this is the guy who did the original chalk drawing at the Silver Snail at the original location uh, at Queen
1: Street? He actually did a, the murals that were on the outside. I he see, did yeah, all yeah. the superhero murals on that. That was uh, Yeah, and, like
0: around the door and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. very very famous, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, he was well, like he was definitely well known in his day. Nice. What was, was his name? Does he uh, his Chalkmaster Dave?
0: Chalkmaster Dave. Yeah. yeah. Check he's, it out.
1: He's out on the East Coast these days, but
0: Nice. Awesome. So When you were apprenticing under him, what was like some of the first things that you learned? Like, I don't even know, you know, I, the last time I used chalk, I think I was like drawing lines on the blackboard. So I have no idea how you turn chalk into something that is so, you know, beautifully rendered as as you do. So tell me a little bit about how it works. Like, how do you do that kind of thing?
1: Well, the art part of it was... Um, I actually learned more from Dave, like how to set up, what kind of things people want to see, how to engage with people. Um, I learned more about that kind of aspect, but the art was more like watch and and learn and try things and um, here's a direction. Um, but it, that was more how I learned things, was through trial and error. I did it for 10 years, you end up learning something along the way. Right, right,
0: exactly. <laughs> so, in terms of setting up, how do you do that? Like, what do you actually have to put down? What things uh, go into setting up for uh, illustration?
1: Um, well, I've got to make sure that everything's safe, that I'm in an area where there's uh, room for people to be a crowd, there's room for people to walk behind them, right. um, and all that. So I have to just kind of ensure that there's safety. For both me and that everybody around me that's gonna like be around and so people can just enjoy it within. Enjoy
0: the art. Yeah, so it can't be, like, a narrow sidewalk. It has to be more, like, a wider sort of square type of, type of thing, right?
1: Yeah, I need a, a larger area with foot traffic, which uh, narrows down some of the areas I can work,
0: but... Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Like, you used to work in Young Dundas Square, like, uh, like in front of the Eaton Center would be a good yeah. example, right?
1: I and now I set up a little bit more north of uh, young Dundas right. Square, yeah. but, yeah, I, I worked there for, for years.
0: Nice, nice. So then, so, like... When you're so you set up and and what kind of reactions do you get from people? Uh, take us through like the first reactions that you were getting to now. What kind of things do people say to you? You say you meet you meet a lot of people. What are how do people usually react to these chalk uh, chalk drawings?
1: Um, I mean it's very varied, right? Just because right. people are very uh, varied, but it's usually positive. Um, A lot of people in the morning will give me weird looks like, What on earth are you doing? Like, I have no clue. And I like it when they come back later in the day and they're like, Oh, you're actually good at it. Like, you're good (laughs) at something. You're not a weirdo. Um, I get a lot of that. But, yeah, usually it's very positive once the art is there. Is
0: there, yeah. Um, What, like, do people actually start talking to you as you're drawing? Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, Yeah, uh, I try to be approachable as possible, but, yeah, people, like, will come up and talk to me, or uh, I'll engage people if I, like, if it feels like they're worried to talk to me because they think they're interrupting me or something like that. What kind
0: of questions do they ask?
1: Um, people just ask, um... You know what I'm doing and if you know I'm okay <laughs> um, or just tell me uh, why ask me why I chose what I chose that day um, just things like that it's hard to Every experience is different, right? Because right? right. like, sometimes I'm out there doing, drawing a Batman piece, sometimes I'm doing classical art, sometimes I'm doing all sorts of things. So uh, what I'm drawing will definitely change the kind of questions or how I'm engaging with people that day.
0: Nice, nice. So how do you make sure that people don't just like walk through what you're doing?
1: Um, well, a lot of that is choosing the space, like I was going back uh, okay. to and ensuring that like just the flow of traffic is not going straight where I'm planning on working. Right. Um, so that's like watching things like up uh, where bike rack is or things like that, that will, people aren't going to be walking straight
0: right, right, uh, right. onto
1: me. Um, and also I surround everything with tape. So... The funny thing is, most, like, the people who walk on my art are always people who aren't paying attention. Right. I've never had like, a blind person walk on my art because they feel it. Um, right. They feel the tape that I have there. Um, or they'll notice like the flow of traffic, so it's really like not as many people as you think. Although I have had people step on my hands, I have definitely had people walk through my art, but like nine times out of ten, it's just absent-minded they say sorry. It's like okay, like that, you know, that's cool.
0: Is it a lot harder now with cell phones? Because people are always on their phone, looking at their phone on Instagram and stuff. Like, I've seen guys like Fully trip over like fire hydrants and stuff because they were looking over. They were looking at their phones. So is it is it worse now that people have so many cell phones out there?
1: Um, I I mean I'm, I've never had a part of my career where people there wasn't <laughs> cell phones everywhere. I mean I've only been doing it for ten years. Right, right. Cell phones were still pretty po- prominent yeah. then. um So. I've always dealt with it, but those are the people who are generally like, "Oh shoot, I'm so sorry," right. <laughs> and it, it's the people who like yell at me for being there. They're like, i have like, like, oh, you just stepped on the like the thing I've been working at for four hours. Uh. I'm like, you should have been there."
0: <laughs> so, what do you, so what do you do in those cases, like? If you if somebody steps on your your work, do you have to start all over? Like, how do you recover?
1: Um, usually, it's just uh, it depends on where they step, What they like smudge? If they smudge something black into something that has to be a highlight? That can be, uh, you know, a lot of reworking things. But usually, it doesn't add more than twenty minutes of extra work. Right. Um, every once in a while, if it's like they smear black into a highlight, then that could be even as much of like an hour of extra work.
0: Oh no! Um,
1: Do I you had have to t- like
0: wash it off and like redo it, or no, what? Uh, it
1: depends on what it is. I mean, I've had people grab my chalk and just go like like just <laughs> draw all over the piece. Really? Oh yeah, and th- that can take like an hour to just fix that. You oh, know, man. sometimes even longer, and sometimes those people walk away without like even giving a penny like oh it's like well thanks thanks for that (laughs) and in terms
0: of you making an income you did tell me that you had like buckets out and stuff on the
1: street yeah I I, like when I'm uh, working on the street I end up having donation buckets so I'm community supported right you like what you see and you're able to donate then you can donate if you can't afford it that's fine I want you to enjoy it anyways right um and if you don't like it well don't pay me and walk on
0: yeah yeah yeah, totally (laughs) okay cool and do you do pretty well? Like, how much can you can you garner in, like, a day?
1: It's, I don't really like talking about that oh, because okay. it's so random. random. Like, there's so many days where I can go out and I get nothing because right. of, of weather. Or, like, I'll set up and work for four hours and it rains. Oh, man. Or just, like, the atmosphere in the street is just not appropriate. Yeah. Um, so, like, there's all those days where, you know, and there's weather. And, like, yeah. so many weather that I can't work in. So and then it's just random. It, it's community donation. It can go anywhere from a small. Like it's hard to exactly give a number. Yeah, right? yeah,
0: totally. So, so you like, so you you're doing battle with a lot of things though, like weather, people. Uh financial like that kind of stuff how do you like persevere like wh- what makes you keep doing it even in spite of like maybe working for hours and it rains and that kind of stuff like how do you keep going
1: uh, i try to stay f- like frugal in my yeah. day life and uh just uh persevere and try different uh, projects and stuff like that so. nice
0: cool and then obviously you're also working for like companies and getting commissions every so mm-hmm. often that's cool how do you decide uh, what you're going to draw if it's just for, like, public and subject? Because I know because we're a comic show, we highlight, like, the superhero work and stuff. But you do other things, too. So what makes you decide that you're going to draw a superhero versus something, something else?
1: Superheroes are definitely, like... Y- um, one of my first choices. If it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you're gonna have people of all ages, right? Um, and you just want to make as many people like feel the good feels, right? Like that is the day that I choose a superhero, right, right. Um, whereas, like on a like a Tuesday in a business area, where it just more, it's a little quieter and like a little bit more uh, time for storytelling and stuff like that. I might go with a classical piece. Um, just to, like, share the art history because I'm a bit of, an like, a history buff.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So how do you choose, like, the pose or, like, because, I mean, there's so many superhero comics out there and so many different panels that you can choose from. You can do, like, original stuff. Mm -hmm. So how do you choose, like, what kind of pose it's going to be or, like, that kind of thing, the mood?
1: Um, Well, a lot of it is on... um... I do have to ensure that it translates well on the street because of what I, I am tr- like putting everything on the ground on like you know a dimension of, like, 8 by 15 feet or right. something like that on the ground in a day, again, I kind of have to, A, choose something that is achievable within a day. Oh, cool. Um, which nowadays is a lot more than it was, like, <laughs> 10 years ago, 8 years ago. That's but, awesome. Uh, but there's that. And then it also, like, some angles and don't really translate that well when you're looking on top of it versus looking on a page. Right, right. So there's a lot of little things that, you know, you just, I just kind of picked up over the years when it comes to choosing stuff, right? Cool.
0: Um, I've also noticed too, like when I look at some of the chalk work that's happened, you know, online and that sort of stuff, there's some like 3D ones. Like I remember I saw like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle one where it looks like they're coming out of the street and it's like a sewer kind of thing. What's the difference between doing like a regular piece, just a photo that you're looking at from above and doing like a 3D art piece and how do you choose... Whether you're going to do, like, 3D or just a regular piece.
1: If you see a... Th- okay, so... Okay. This is a good one. Okay. I get it, this is actually one of the most common questions. Right, okay. But um, when you see those 3D pieces online, they were yeah. commissioned. Okay. Um, 99.9% of the time. Right. Or it was somebody, like, putting... Doing something for their portfolio so they can get more commissions. Right. They, um, they are almost impossible to see on the street with the naked eye. Okay. Um, because, basically, it's an effect. So, right. it takes... What I do when I'm doing, like, busking on the street is I'll take an image and I'll replicate it, but huge. Right. Uh, If I wanted to do that same image in 3D, um, imagine it being on, like, a square on a piece of... Silly putty, right? And okay. then you took it and stretched it out, right? So it kind of looks like that in like a weird trapezoid type, sort shape.
0: of weirdly distorted.
1: Exactly. So um, it's just a matter of distorting it to the right angles and ah. then copying that. Oh, so nice. So I've done that stuff before, but it's it's. Ten times the work to do something that people can't understand on the street.
0: Right, because you're not just copying the image, you're you're copying it and then having to distort it also right. and keep the angles and stuff in your head. Right? I mean,
1: usually you do that work ahead of time. Right. And right. you're just you know yeah. um you're you have everything already planned up by the time you're actually doing the art. Right. But that's you know, that's uh, that's the effect. So it I get that question all the time, and it's like it's really not that much more your skill right? <laughs> there is it's just a different effect it's a different way of approaching Well, and
0: anyway you're not going to see it on the street in the proper way it's meant for like presentation festivals
1: like, you'll see it yeah. at festivals and you'll see it at like corporate stuff right. things like that right. um, there are some like people who pretty much exclusively do really cool big 3D stuff yeah. but you won't really see them on raw street stuff like just walking downtown
0: right right that's cool that's awesome yeah I've always wanted to know so then, like, how do you, like, blend the chalk? Like, I feel like if I tried to be a chalk artist, I mean, the best I could do is probably, like, a hopscotch thing or something like that. You could do some really cool hopscotch things. Yeah, so Give yeah. yourself some credit. I don't know, I don't know. So, like, how do you go from, like, just drawing, like, a line to, like, blending? Like, what kinds of techniques are you drawing in a different way with chalk than, like, the average person would? Or are there different tools that you
1: use? I use my hands. I okay. don't Like, for large parts of the year, I don't even have fingerprints.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's just, you know, it's a matter of of practice. Right. There are so many things that, like, if you don't spend the hours in it, you're just not going to learn. Right. So I'm sure if you spent 10 hours for the next 10 years every single day practicing you'll be just as good as me you'll pick up on those things right right right. but um but yeah
0: so that's (laughs) cool that's cool yeah I always wanted to know like what like what do they actually do like how do they like blend the stuff and like that's that's kind of cool
1: yeah I use I use my hands (laughs) my my blood sweat and tears
0: wow cool it's like it's like nose to the grindstone like for real that's awesome so I know that in Toronto Probably, especially in the places where you've done stuff, like you said you, you used to be at Young Dundas Square more often, and that kind of stuff, there's a lot of characters. There's a lot of other people on the street. There's uh, people that like I've gotten to know on the street that are like always there, either like proselytizing, or sometimes there's people in costume and that kind of thing. How do you interact with the other people that are doing their? Uh, let's call it, performance uh, all, all on the street?
1: My number one priority, no matter who I'm dealing with, is ensuring that the safe around me is safe. Right. The space around me is safe. Right. Because that's why I set up so early. Like, I'll come in before anybody else when it's quiet and set up and work for hours. So is that the,
0: like, early morning? Like Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm usually, like, like before, like, 10, 9, 10 a.m. Oh, cool. Um, that's, like, the latest you'll see me set up. Nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's why I'm there so long. Is to ensure that the space is safe, right? And I don't care what you do, as long as people are able to walk around the area safely, right, right, right. And I will be respectful for people. I don't talk about what people do. I just want the safe to- space to be safe. And most people respect that and respond respond to that well. Some people don't. Uh, that's <laughs> from a... all groups. So,
0: uh, but and you and you have a strategy. Like you got to keep yourself safe, right? Like yeah. you can't interactions can escalate as we all as we all know so how do you like protect yourself from a situation like you got to be a little street smart right
1: well um, street smarts is kindness yeah uh, it's really about like being kind and aware um, nobody like wants to watch somebody who's like protects everybody else right. be hurt yeah and that's just kind of how the culture is um, it's not about like you know being big and tough it's really about being aware um, so, and for the most part, I haven't really run into that many dangerous altercations right. that like many people would like assume that I would run into, right. it just, you know, maybe once a year, which can happen to anybody walking down the street.
0: Cool. But, so how long does a piece take from start to finish? Like you, you mentioned that you're there really early in the morning. So how long are you there for?
1: Um, I'm usually anywhere from uh, eight to twelve hours. Wow, uh, to, to do a large piece.
0: And you're starting like what time?
1: Um, like I said before nine o'clock usually. I like, started pieces at like five in the morning. I went out like in the middle of the night to do like night fly pieces nice. and stuff like that. So it really depends on the project, but on an average busking day, yeah, before nine in the morning.
0: And if it's not a commission, is it any time the mood strikes you, or like? Yeah,
1: well, like, or when like there's an event, or when there's like you know like a nice sunny day, weird. I can just go on the street. Nice. Um, I do. I've been doing more paintings and stuff like that as well. Like, cool. I paint with alternative materials like coffee.
0: Oh, tell me about that.
1: Yeah. Um, so I do paintings with like coffee and gold leaf.
0: Oh, cool. I actually did
1: a catfish for Leon. Oh, that's uh, awesome. And so I have a lot of fun with that.
0: And people can, you can like sell that and like they display it in their place or how does it work?
1: Right now it's all commissioned. Okay. Um, it's still fairly new and I'm expanding with different materials and stuff as well. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'll probably launch something in the next couple of months to make that a bit more accessible uh, so other people can see what I'm doing.
0: Is coffee easy to work with? Like, I, like, just a few weeks ago, like, I was putting my coffee grounds in my organic uh, bin, and I spilt the bin, and I had to clean all this coffee off of my floor, and I was, like, so frustrated. So, what's it like to, like, paint with coffee?
1: It's a little temperamental, okay. but it's, it's quite a lot like watercolor painting, right. so... Um,
0: Just brown, right?
1: Yeah, just brown, (laughs) but I've also been making my own paints out of, like, flower petals and spinach and stuff like that. Nice. Um,
0: That's awesome. Fruits
1: and things like that, natural dyes, which is a lot of fun.
0: Cool, yeah, natural dyes, that's, like, kind of what, like, what they used to paint with during, like, caveman times. Does that help you get more in touch with, like, the beginning of time?
1: Oh, well, I'm a chalk artist. I'm already there. (laughs) Uh, I am a huge fan of, uh, like, art history. And the fact is, a lot of the oldest art that we have are, like, made out of chalks and clays and charcoals. Right, right. And there's a really rich history to the chalk art profession. Mm. Um,
0: Tell me about it. it.
1: Well, I mean, we have the caves, uh, like, the cavemen, and, like, some of our early art and there is an Italian word I can look up. Um, Basically, the Italian word for for chalk artists is the person who draws naked ladies on the sidewalk. Oh, really? Um,
0: That's what it translates to?
1: Yeah, because back in like the medieval era, in the Renaissance, people would go every day and collect the charcoals out of the fires in the morning. Oh. And they would draw naked women on the streets That's to make awesome. their money. And so that was a very old form of uh, busking. <laughs> Have you
0: ever done nudity on the sidewalk?
1: Um, Artistic, nudes only, okay. like, the, like the Venus of Botticelli. I've right. drawn that one a few times. Uh, though I can't draw that one, one without somebody being like, put the hairs over the nipples so nobody can see it. And it's <laughs> like, no, this is classical. We're just we're going to stick to the classics. Yeah,
0: here. yeah, yeah, totally. That's cool. That's really awesome. And like, it's, I know that like the thing that seems like everybody wants to be an artist when they're in school and they're like idealistic and that sort of thing. Do you have any tips for people who want to get started in art? Because sometimes it can be a little bit of a struggle to, like, make a living. Like, you're, you're applying for grants and you're doing stuff like that. So what would you say to a young artist who maybe is coming out of art school and, and that kind of thing?
1: I just wanted to, sorry, I'll answer your question in a second. Yeah, totally. It's a medonero. It's Medonero's the, original, the word, yeah. right? Yeah.
0: And it translates to drawing <laughs> naked ladies on the sidewalk. It does.
1: That's amazing.
0: <laughs> Crazy. Awesome. Okay. So, yeah, so, like, what are what's your advice for, like, aspiring artists? Because I know it can be a little tough to make a living.
1: Oh, one of the things is the basics is just to keep, and it, it's, It's frustrating because there's always going to be barriers for different people. Right. Um, You never really know what they are. Um, But the basic advice that I would give anyone is to keep doing it. The more that you keep doing it, the more experience you're going to have and the better you're going to be. That's awesome. Um, So if you just continue, like, having new experiences and doing art, whether it's in an educational context or an academic context or just on your own, like, you'll keep growing.
0: Do you do you deal with a lot of misconceptions because you work with non-traditional materials because you are a street artist and that sort of thing? Um, like does anyone sort of not, Take you seriously as an artist? Is it difficult?
1: Well, like I was just saying, there is a because there is like a rich traditional history with chalk art itself. There is a little less of that. Okay, good. Um, But in Europe, they do it very differently than they do here. Oh, how do they do in Europe? They're much like they're much more um, classical based. Like doing the superhero stuff like I do here is kind of not. Right. the same style as you would see most artists do out of there nice um, so I'm very you're a Canadiana style chalk artist nice. pop culture st- chalk artist
0: have you ever traveled to do your chalk art have you ever gone to Europe and that sort of thing not
1: yet I did go to Michigan this year which oh. was my first time out of Canada to do street art wow. which was a lot of fun
0: that's cool um,
1: I used one of my first uh, jobs was talking uh, doing phone collections uh, for an automotive company and oh, okay. I talked to people in Michigan Every day, right. So my first place out of Canada being Michigan, and I did Batman, right. And Tinkerbell for them, nice. Um, but uh, was really special for me.
0: Have you always survived just on your art, or ha- or do you have to have sort of a side gig on the side while you're while you're doing your art? I know a lot of artists that come on this podcast; they also have other jobs outside of their comics and that sort of thing.
1: Uh, no, I actually am uh, full, like until. For the last, I think like nine years now, I haven't had that's awesome uh, a real person <laughs> job. <laughs> I've, I've survived off my art and, like I said, being frugal. Cool. Um, so that's uh, I'm, you know, knock on wood. I was extremely fortunate that I've been able to do that.
0: Yeah. Since you like drawing superheroes and we are in a comic shop, what is your favorite superhero to draw?
1: Um, oh, my favorite to draw is the Hulk, because okay. I can yell Hulk smash all day <laughs> and, like, throw little bits of, like, chalk back onto my art. Nice. Um, yeah. <laughs>
0: nice, and then, like, and then it becomes kind of a performance piece also, because you're drawing, and you're drawing attention to the art by, like, becoming the Hulk, essentially, right?
1: Oh, yeah, and then I get kids, like, you know, waving their arms and, like, yelling with me and, yeah. you know, just making it more of an experience, and that's that's what I'm all about.
0: That's awesome, that's so cool. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some of your stuff. Do you ever, like, write on what you're drawing? Do you ever, like, write messages to the people walking by? Or is it all mostly, like, interaction verbally?
1: I have an introduction that I leave with my art. um, Just to say, like, what I'm about and why I'm there. Um, And other than that, it's all through interactions. Nice. So, yeah. So, I don't, yeah, that's... (laughs) That's
0: it. <laughs> you were telling me uh, earlier that you did you did this Overwatch piece for Fan Expo because it lined up with your schedule. How did that come about?
1: So, yeah, no, I, I work with various production companies, right. and they got the, a, a project where they called me in to do it. I worked with them before, right? and uh, that was uh, right before Fan Expo, actually. Okay. They had it go up. It was a temporary mural of Hammond's, nice. uh, the weaponized hamster. Cool. and um, cute and weaponized. That's my style. Nice. <laughs> um, so I ended up doing that right beforehand, and I didn't have a, like, usually I have a festival lined up that weekend. Right. And I didn't, so I got to go and do a uh, piece for Fan Expo.
0: That's awesome. That's so cool. And, like, there's a lot of games that happen here at Harry Tarantula. I was
1: busking for Fan Expo, though. just want to make that clear. Oh, I are not working for them directly. Oh, you were busking yeah. for Fan
0: Expo. So, so there's a lot of games that happen here at Harry Tarantula. They do a lot of Magic: The Gathering and tabletop games and stuff. Are you a gamer? Since we're talking about Overwatch and stuff, do you have any yeah, gaming I, experience?
1: I, um, I, yeah, I used to actually. I've actually done uh, Magic card pieces as well. That's Where awesome. I drew a friend of mine had a Magic card shop years ago. Okay. And he hired me to do a bunch of Magic card pieces. And I ended up getting into the game at that point.
0: Wow. What do you think of the game?
1: Oh, I love it. Somebody ended up stealing my deck um, a few years after that. And Uh. I ended up being resentful and haven't gotten into it. I would love to get back into it. Oh, well, maybe we should get
0: Leon to, like, reintroduce (laughs) you to the game. That's awesome. That's so cool. All right. Well, this is is really good. I want to thank uh, Alex Hunt and Bo Singh of Harry Tragula for setting this up for us. Uh there's also a podcast studio, I don't know if you guys know, there's a podcast studio in the basement, the abyss of Harry Tarantula, and they do a podcast called Flashback, which is basically just like a recap of all the magically gathering tournaments that happen here every week. You guys can enter, you can win some big prizes. Harry Tarantula is sponsoring our podcast. So you you can listen to their podcast, Flashback, with Alex Hunt and Bo Sing. On Twitch or on YouTube, just follow Harry Tarantula at Harry Tarantula on Twitter. They usually broadcast on Sundays, and uh, they announce live on their Twitter at Harry Tarantula when they're going to be up. So so pay attention, follow them on social media, and you'll know when to you know get into their podcast too, because they're getting into the podcast game, and they're the guys who set up the audio. So uh, we want to thank them for that, for this. Um, Also, guys, if this is the first time that you're hearing about Speech Bubble, just uh, subscribe on uh, iTunes and Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and Google Play. Leave us a review. We always like reviews. And if you leave us a review, I will personally send you a free comic from my collection. And uh, you'll also hear about a lot of the stuff that's happening in Harry Tarantula because they're uh, advertising for us. Before we go, though, I want to know, does anybody have any questions for Joe about the work that she does? Uh, just step up to the mic. Hey, Joe. Uh, so, I don't know if I misheard or not, but did you say your art is cute and weaponized?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, cute and weaponized is my preferred aesthetic. <laughs> okay,
0: cool. That's awesome. Uh, anyone else any questions? I've got a question. Oh, hey, Leon. Um, Young Dundas Square. You were talking about that earlier as a place you don't go to anymore. I was just curious a little bit about why you don't go there anymore. And I, I have two guesses. One of them is, you know, it's just really sketchy now, uh, in not in an artistic way. Or the other one is that even though it's a public space, it has now become perhaps co-opted by private security forces who have no patience for street artists. Well, am am you, I right about any of that? You're or?
1: right from both. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of um, city bylaw stuff as well. Um, I can only technically work there legally on weekends when it is the busiest where I don't really feel safe working there. And I don't—I made a promise to myself a few years ago, if I don't feel 100% safe, then how do I expect the people around me to feel 100% safe so I won't work those areas anymore? Um, that's, that's just basically the main reason I go there. There is also, because, yeah, they changed the bylaws where I was able to work on the weekdays. Uh, they changed those, like, a mo- noise bylaw to, like, make sure that I couldn't work there on uh, weekdays at all. So that's why I kind of switched it over.
0: Very noisy. <laughs> <laughs> what what influenced this climate, this change? Like you saw this change happening. Do you have any idea, like, what created this new climate over there? Um,
1: well, without pointing fingers or anything, there are some people who are protected under freedom of speech, right. and there are entertainers who are uh, mandated under bylaw. Right. So there are a lot of people there. Like I said, a lot of the people I interact with, the groups, they're they're great, they respect me. Right. um, But they have more rights than I do. And if they don't want to listen to me, they don't have to. And they can set up right on top of me, and there's nothing I can do about it. Oh, okay. So the problem is a lot of these groups have gotten a little overzealous because they're not really... Restricted by anything and how they set up, so the city was trying to deal with them by going after the only people they can go after. Um, understandably, they're frustrated, and right. um, ended up like resulted with us going to city hall and having to talk out um, with a bunch of this, you know, people like John Tory and right. Kristen. Um, what was
0: that experience like? Did they listen to
1: you? Um, they listened to, to, like, there was a core group of old school, young and ass performers that stuck together, yeah. and we talked them out. Um, uh, th- actually, there was a, lot, a few people who did more work in that than I did, but, so don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they, we all went down there and uh, talked to them, and it was very clear that like, they didn't want to punish us, but there's a problem, and it makes more sense to just step out of that right uh, for me because i don't i'm not there to to deal with other people's bullshit i'm there to make people happy and kids smile and you know bring out people's inner child like <laughs> right
0: right and like maybe they should think about restricting the other people that you're talking about not just not just you right maybe but, they should think about like changing the laws and stuff but that
1: you're going into freedom of speech yeah, that's right true. um and one way that is this could be approached is having better speaker's corners where people can go and talk about these things rather than going straight to uh, Young and Dundas Square right. and stuff like that. There, there's a million different ways it could be comp- approached, but it's a very complicated topic. Right. So, like, the actual um, city, I kind of understand where they're coming from. I think that, you know...
0: They have a lot to deal with. Yeah, you're just one more issue. They the got. security,
1: you know, guards like just trying to hustle us out by calling by every yeah. five minutes. I have a little less sympathy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a little yeah. less empathy, but like. They are doing their jobs too. And now I work at a place where the security not only knows me, but they give them me their um, their number so if I feel unsafe, I can call them immediately and they can take care of anything. And I would much rather work around security like that, who actually cares about me, right. than, um, and cares about the people who work around them because um, they recognize that I, like, I'm like i there to try to make it safe not cause We're, them problems.
0: Right, right. So if people want to support you and they want to... Uh, you know, see you do your thing live in Toronto. Where can they go?
1: Um, usually, I'm around Young Street. Um, part of the nature of me is that I'm a surprise experience, right. <laughs> um, mm. and that you never really quite know where I'm going to be. But uh, generally, a little bit north of um, Dundas on Young Street, I'm quite I'm there quite a bit. Um, I've been down by the Jays Way. Down uh, in the summer, I'm down by the ferry docks quite a bit
0: cool that's awesome and then of course people can follow you on social media right
1: yes uh, I promise I'll try to be more active soon Uh, I'm the chalk chick uh, Chick thechalkchick.com and I'm also uh, chalk chick on Instagram
0: Nice. has social media changed what you do and uh, in any way that's like positive negative like how has people on Instagram uh, changed the type of uh, experience that you have
1: I mean, I get asked all the time why I don't state my Instagram more. <laughs> um But, yeah, so, I don't know. Like, for me, I'm part of, like... Art has changed a little bit into the fact that people want that Instagrammable moment. Right. And that's what my job is. is Seems like you're perfect for that. Instagrammable moments um, for people to have. And, you know, I'll post people to interact and get really cool photos with it they might not otherwise have thought of getting. That's, you know, a large part of it as well. Nice. Um, So that's kind of, like, hasn't really been a bad thing. It's not like where I'm on the social media aspect of it, yeah. but I'm on the aspect of helping people with their content and right. just creating those moments for them.
0: That's awesome. Anyone else have any more questions?
1: So as a street artist yourself, recently there was a exhibit that was like a Banksy exhibit downtown where they charged a bunch of money for people to go in and see prints of Banksy street art, essentially. What are your thoughts on that as kind of a concept of people being charged to go in and see somebody's street art in print form yeah that's um i did not go to that (laughs) uh i did not go um i do think that on like art on donation makes sense because it makes it more accessible to more people um you know they're are other ways to doing that, you know, like having, you know, quieter days be less money and things like that. But yeah, no, if you're going to be a street artist, it should be on the street. Um, But I think like Banksy has that kind of humor with that kind of stuff as well, like where that's kind of part of the message. Uh, I don't know. I personally think Banksy is a collective, putting it out there. I don't think it's one person, Um, but...
0: Uh, Yeah, and, like, it was an unofficial exhibit. Like, it was his, his like, ex-manager who was putting it on and stuff, so it was kind of, like, unsanctioned Banksy. It wasn't, like...
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah,
0: it wasn't, like, official Banksy. It was, like... A guy who was like his first manager had a bunch of pieces that he wanted to like take on the road and and display basically.
1: Well, it's funny about Banksy is that like Toronto, like I can always tell when a Banksy piece is rumored to just come up in Toronto and I'm working, everyone's asking me about it because people will like drop everything they're doing and come straight to Toronto to try to find it because um, a lot of Toronto street artists will destroy his work the second they see it. So a lot of people are like will rush to try to see it before it's destroyed or try to steal it themselves. So there's like that kind of weird uh, culture towards Banksy's art to begin with in this area.
0: Right. <laughs> wow. Crazy. Uh, anyone else? Okay. Uh, okay. I think we can wrap it up. Thank you so much, Joe, for uh, talking to me. And uh, we'll see you next time on Speech Bubble. This has been Speech Bubble. See you in the future, friends. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Speech Bubble on Never Sleeps Network at NeverSleepsNetwork.com is executive produced by Alex Ross. Audio editing by Joseph Yanni. Social media assistance by Jamie Warner and The Social Smiths. Announcements by Craig Mayhem and Sean Ward. Logo design and graphical assistance by Brittany Tice.